Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. We welcome you to this edition of Wine and Dime, where we speak with Lisa Crilly Malice. Lisa is a time strategist, and Lord knows we all need more time in our day. What we didn't talk about in the podcast, and we hope to have in the show notes, is that Lisa is going to be releasing her own podcast called The 25th Hour, with the idea that we all need that extra hour every day. How do we come up with it? We hope you enjoy this show. And also one other correction I mentioned in the podcast recording, uh, Hunt Country, uh, excuse me, uh, Fox Run as a winery that has some decent dessert wines. And I actually meant to say Hunt Country. Uh, so I have attached some information about Hunt Country and their ice wines in the show notes for you to enjoy to explore. And just remember, life is a journey and life is about events supported by your dollars and cents. We hope you enjoy the show. Sit on back, grab your favorite beverage and enjoy. Welcome listeners to this edition of Wine and Dime. We have a wonderful guest today, Lisa Crilly Mellis. Did I say it right, Lisa? You did. Thank you. <laughs> I had to say it about five times as usual before I got it right. Uh, Lisa and I met, actually Lisa reached out to me because she saw that I was going to be speaking at the XYPN conference and she wanted to be, she wanted to talk to me about sort of time hacks for lack of a, a better um, terminology. Um, how do I manage multiple businesses, multiple lines of business and uh, still you know, figure out how to have a little outside life occasionally? <laughs> uh, and Lisa just published that article. We'll actually put that in the show notes for folks to read because there were some really good tips in there. And so Lisa, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and being on the show. It was my pleasure, Amy. Thank you. Well, as everybody knows, we always start the show in a fun way. And I love to start with the wine tip section of the show. Do you have a favorite wine? I, the sweeter, the better. So I actually really like ice wine. Now, the funny thing about um, ice wine is that sometimes it's actually very dry. Oh. It's the concentration. Yeah. So, but... The, um, in the Finger Lakes area, we have, of course, the um, 
wine and culinary festival that usually takes place sometime in February. If anybody's interested in learning more about it, I, I doubt they have the 2021 date up yet, but it usually takes place in February. I generally miss it because I'm usually in Florida when it takes place, but it's very um, when you think about wine tasting, you know, you usually think about the different levels of wine. And what I love about ice wine, it's a sipper, number one. That's what I always think about it. And for for me, ice wine equals dessert. I can, you know, if I have a little bit of ice wine after I've had a good meal or something, then to me that just, it's often very fruity because uh, if people don't know, um, the grapes are left on the vine a little bit longer until they're actually frozen. And then they harvest the, the grapes. Um, that's why they call it ice wine. So it's very concentrated. Uh, and, and so you get a lot of that um, fruit forwardness. That's what you would call sweetness uh, in the wine. But some of them don't have a ton of residual sugar in them, but it, you get a lot of the fruit. So we will have to give some specific recommendations maybe in the show notes. Uh, it's been a while since I've dove into some of the ice wines that I like, but I think, um, uh, Fox run has a really good one that I've enjoyed over, over the years. So if, if anybody is, a um, an ice wine, huge ice wine fan of the finger lakes, we'd love to hear what your pick is so that we can do some exploring on that. So let's dig a little bit deeper and, uh, and talk about the journey of your vineyard, how it developed, um, how you started running, you know, your company, uh, how it was that you and I got to the conversation about time hacks, which by the way, took so many different angles in that very short period of time. Lisa has to be, yeah. Like you have to be on my show. Like this, more people need to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And thank you for your time. When I was writing that article, that was so much fun. Um, So my vineyard formation journey, um, I started my career, my professional career in high school education. I was actually a math teacher. And I did that for a couple of years. And then I moved into administration and I was an athletic director for some division one high schools here in Ohio. And I realized along that path, my life lesson number one is just because you're really good at something doesn't mean that's what you're meant to do with your life. And right. Can you stop for just a moment? Can, can you, can you say that one more time? Because I just, I really need people to hear this. Yeah. Just because you're good at it doesn't mean it's what you're meant to do. And I did enjoy what I, but I, like, I couldn't see myself 30 years later in education. Like I just knew I didn't have the passion for it. I was, I was good at what I did, um, but I didn't love it. So while I'm trying to figure out, you know, as, as I think many of us go through multiple iterations of our, <laughs> of our life, as I'm trying to figure out what am I meant to do, um, I was fortunate enough that a number of people kept asking me to help them with projects that were similar enough in nature that I was finally getting hit over the head with um, what I call life lesson number two. Um, if it's easy for you, it doesn't mean it's easy for everyone. And more than likely, you can monetize it because it's not easy for everyone. And so I know that I am gifted in sequencing, in time management, and being able to look at the chaos and see the path through it. And I recognize now that my years in education have allowed me to hone a skill set to where I can take what I can see and then explain it well in easy to implement steps to my clients. Um, that took a while. Shocking. <laughs> you know, we went from license lesson one 
uh, this isn't what you're meant to do for your life to life lesson two of, oh, wait, I have a skill set that not everyone has. And then it's like, okay, now what? And so then over the next couple of years is when I started, I started building my business. I, I needed a name. Like, what was I? So I started out as a coach and then a consultant and a trainer. And now um, Impact of Strategies has been born. When you were starting the company, um, Impact Strategies, what was the goal that you were thinking about behind starting that? Initially, the goal was I want to work every day doing stuff that I love and I want to have a life while I'm doing it. That is not at all what happened the first couple of years. <laughs> not gonna lie. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, I started a business, I think put out a website, you know, magically they will come. That is not how that happens. And I spent way more hours building my business than I ever did when I was working for someone else. Mm-hmm. Which is But it's different. It is it's different though, isn't it? Yeah. And you know, it's opposite of everything I teach. Um, so when I work with clients, I'm very transparent. I was like, I know what I'm telling you is hard because I have been there and I still will fall into those habits to where I'm in the office super early and I stay there really late. Um, I said, mm-hmm. there are ways that we can help build structure around that so that you still have a life. You know, you've mm-hmm. done it by traveling. Mm-hmm. And you know, some people will do it by taking off Friday. It's like, it, it will vary. Um, but you, it, it can be done. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things that I just want to go back to life lesson one and life lesson two for a moment, because I think, um, one of the reasons I started my own company was because, uh, there are things that I'm good at that I don't like to do, but, but people or companies learn that you're good at that. And that sort of is, you know, some of that stuff does come easy to me. And because it comes easy to me and I'm good at it, it's, well, then you should be doing it. It doesn't take into consideration that I don't want to do it. I don't enjoy doing it. And when you work for a large organization or, you know, somebody else, basically, um, th- that that really o- isn't very often that that's taken into consideration. Right. So I kept, you know, I moved probably about every five years, I moved to different companies that I worked for pretty, you know, always in the financial services profession, but I kept sort of what I would consider job hopping. What a lot of people are like, oh, you were there for five years. That's great. But for me, I wanted something long-term, you know, I, I, I wanted a good home to be in, but I did that because Every time I worked for one of those other companies, that would happen to me. And I'd end up in a role that I didn't want or I wasn't enjoying. I like some of the work, but I didn't like either where I was doing it or I didn't like what I had been pigeonholed into. So I I think it's really important that people understand that life lesson number one in themselves. And I will say that if anything, there's a, there's actually been a lot of good things that have come out of a very bad time in history right now with this pandemic. But I will say that a number of my clients are saying that this pandemic has actually made them rethink what they are doing. And they are wondering if it's what they are meant to do. Absolutely. And I find my clients are re-examining, is this how I really want to spend my time? Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe because most of my clients own their own business and many of them feel that they have found that place where they belong. But it's all those other things that push off. Um, 
I just had one yesterday say, do you realize we've had dinner as a family mm-hmm. more times in the last couple months than we have since my kids were born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so I'm finding it um, a little shift than what you're seeing is they're pretty sure they're in the right place. But the way they've chosen to spend their, if you want to call it discretionary time, is definitely changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even... For, for families that had their kids in sports and activities, they're finding that they enjoy that they're not running their kids all over the place as much. And so not to say that their kids won't get re-involved in some of the activities, but perhaps not as many because they are enjoying those family dinners. They are enjoying, um, you know, more and more people are saying we're in our backyard Um, you know, all of those kinds of things are, are, that's a feedback that I'm getting. And, and the, the second life lesson that you mentioned that if it is easy for you, it isn't easy for everyone. Uh, this is a life lesson that I'm trying to remind myself a lot lately, because, uh, I think that when you, you can probably talk to this a little bit too, Lisa, when you started out your own business, you sort of had to be jack of all trades. Right. And with habit, things do get easier, right? Absolutely. But when you start to delegate. (laughs) My favorite word, yes. (laughs) It is not, you forget where you started. You forget what you, how you learned it. You forget that maybe at one point in time, it wasn't easy for you. And you get in the mentality of, well, you know, it just takes me five minutes here or five minutes there, but those five minutes add up. Right. And so when you talk about when you're, when you work with a client, tell us a little bit about what some of the talk that you give them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So specifically for talking, delegating, um, you know, one of the things I remind them is, um, not to be the person who delegates that drops and runs. I'm like, that is only going to cause pain and heartache along the way. You need to prep before you even meet with the person you're delegating to. Uh, and so like I'll hear a lot at the beginning of the conversation of no one can do it as well as I can. Um, it'll take less time. You know, it'll take more time for me to teach someone else how to do it. Like we have a lot of those conversations and usually, you know, one of the easiest things that I can say is, do you trust me? And my clients will look at me and they're like, well, yeah, I hired you. And I said, okay, then I just need you to trust that I know what I'm talking about here. And everything you're saying to me is valid. Mm -hmm. It will be quicker for you to do it yourself. They will not do it as well as you can. And that's only true the first two or three times. And then after that, they will do it as well or better. They will do it quicker than you. And you will gain your time back on the back end. It's, always interesting for me to see the struggle that happens the first, you know, maybe first month or two months. And then all of a sudden there's this tipping point where it all becomes so much easier. And you're like, Oh yeah, they can't. Cause I, I laugh. I'm like, you didn't hire someone who doesn't have a skill set. You hired someone with a skill set, let them use it, let them think, let them problem solve. They can do it. What do you think the biggest fear is for people that are delegating or trying yeah. to delegate. <laughs> uh, you know, I think there's, um, I think there's the fear that the person they've delegated to is going to do something wrong 
whatever, and that's in quotes, something wrong Mm -hmm. that is going to hurt the reputation of the business. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like people will say, oh, it's hard for me to let go or it's this or it's that. And the reality is, at least for my clients, their business is their baby. They've most Mm -hmm. of them built it from scratch and they have forgotten that along the way they made mistakes. And then they expect the person they're delegating to to be perfect. And I'm as guilty of this. Um, I'll, I'll look at something and think, oh my gosh, I can't believe like that's a comma, not a period. Like, how could she have done that? And I was like, okay, let it go. <laughs> You're the only one in the world who notices. <laughs> let it go. Um, but, you know, and I think that it's their, their fear that they're going to do something that will hurt the company, hurt their reputation, um, uh, weaken a relationship they have with a client or a a stakeholder or a center of influence. In all reality, at the very beginning, when you're delegating, you're not delegating projects or tasks that have that much weight and value to where that would happen. So it's the right delegation. It's it's picking the things to delegate that are baby steps. Yes. Um, there's a, and I forget the person who has, who created this, but I can look it up and you can put in the show notes later. Um, but there's this thing called six levels of delegation. And at one level, it's very one tiny step at a time. Go do this. When you finish it, come back. When you finish it, come back. You know, one at a really tight, delic- really tight, um, not micromanaging, but definitely you're in it with them. <laughs> All the way mm-hmm. up to level six, which is more of a, here's pretty much the vision I see for this project. I trust you, go handle it. You don't even need to come back and tell me when it's finished, which is way other end of the scale. And then there's everything in the middle. And so what's interesting, sorry to interrupt you, but what's interesting about that is that I, I have always been worried. I do not, let me back up. I do not like to be micromanaged. It drives me nuts. Don't stand over my shoulder. Let me figure it out. Let me touch it. Let me, it might take me longer the first time, but, but, but don't, I'm not good at somebody click here, click there. Just, just tell me what you want done. And then let me try to figure it out. And then I'll come back to you and check and make sure it's okay. So I've always been that person that has to touch it in order to comprehend it and and think it through without somebody sitting right next to me. So because I'm like that, it's always been a a bit of a challenge for me um, when employees need that kind of attention, right? When I have to sit there with them and say, point here, click there, do this, do that. I'm like, Oh, shoot me in the eye. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so what's interesting about what you just said is that within the six levels, and and I will look that up because I think I could learn from that, is that you kind of have to map that out with each person differently, right? Yes. And each task when you think about it. So I am like you are. Please give me the high level and let me go at it. Mm-hmm. Um, do not give me a, like, I need to see the big picture in order to even buy into the mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this? Uh-huh. Yeah, if yeah. you just give me one step, I'm like, okay, you're just giving me like rote work. <laughs> like I don't do well with rote work. So that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. instead, I want to see the big picture. That being said, if you delegate something tech to me, like, I don't know why you would, but if someone were to delegate something, <laughs> tech to me, I need every tiny step spelled out. And I probably need an accompanying video <laughs> on the help desk. So each person has their unique skills. And sometimes you can delegate to them 
at a higher level with some things that come more natural and a lower level on something that may be unfamiliar. And there are some people who, no matter what you're giving them, you need to delegate to them to say a level two or a level three. And there is nothing wrong with that. They are great at process-driven tasks. <laughs> and then there are some people who, no matter what it is, if you can't delegate them to a high level, they will lose interest fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's me. I, you know, I just, especially around now, it's funny that you said technology. Now with me, I'm the, I'm the opposite. Like, I, yeah, a video is very helpful to me. I will, I will always watch a video or, or look at some, you know, especially if it's a new website or something step-by-step, step. but I'm the type of person who just wants to get in. And um, it's interesting because we recently purchased um, new financial planning software that we we love. Now, I had no experience with this software whatsoever. I've had zero, just like the rest of the team. And it's it when questions come up, you know, the there is generally I have an answer because I think I think I could have been like a computer. <laughs> <laughs> because technology just comes very natural to me. And my husband has told me many, many, many times, that's why I chuckled when you said, just because it's easier for you isn't as easy for everyone else. My husband has told me so many times, Amy, this stuff, it's its like you have, you grew up knowing it. It just comes so naturally to you. And for the rest of the world, it's not that way. So it's good that he's told me that a couple of different times so that I do remember, but you know, maybe, maybe that's a good point. Like that's a good topic to, to dig into a little bit because the people that you work with, would you say that's one of their big struggles? Which the technology piece or? Well, just, just delegation as a whole. And then their time management aspect of it. Yes, absolutely. Um, Usually the clients that I work with are coming in and they may have someone part-time working with them, maybe, um, or maybe even a full-time person, which they're 1000% underutilizing. And <laughs> their, their challenge is that they probably didn't sit back and say, I'm going to delegate these things proactively. It was more of a drop and run type of thing. I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. I can't get everything done. I have more clients than I can handle. Great. Mm-hmm. I'll grab someone to answer the phone. Mm-hmm. I'll grab someone to schedule appointments with clients without really thinking it through. All right. What else would this person do? What could their skill set be? You know, what do you mean you're calling your clients to schedule them by phone? Can't we use a sc- online scheduling system? Like, like there's those pieces. Um, and so that's where I typically will jump in and be able to take more of a 30,000 foot view and say, okay, what's the work you're doing? Why are you doing it that way? You know, is it by habit, like you had said earlier, or is it by mm-hmm. by comfort? Is it because you don't know what you don't know? And then where can we go from there? And so I think many of my clients, they're apprehensive to delegate just because they haven't had the luxury of taking the time to sit and think about it. So when you, when, I, when this person hires you, right, somebody comes along and they hire you, they're they're probably in a state of chaos. I'm just speaking from personal experience. <laughs> right? Why have I ever hired a coach or somebody to help me with uh, something that's going very awry that I'm sure is right at the tip of my nose, but it's so close to my you know eyes that I can't see it. What, what do you walk us through sort of your process a little bit in general terms? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I have found with almost all of my clients is that 
at one time in their life, they were actually really good at time management. Like they, they, they had all the, no, all the balls were in the air and they were easily juggling them. They weren't worried about things falling through the cracks. And then something happened. And so they went through this phase where they kept thinking the way that they were able to manage everything in the past would work, should still work if they just tried hard enough and if they just had more discipline. However, their situation changed. Usually it's because the business grew. Sometimes mm-hmm. though, it's because maybe they're taking care of a parent who's ill or mm-hmm. um, a lot of like, they went from a lot of structure to no structure, which is what we're experiencing mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Those types of things. And so the skill set they had before isn't isn't able to serve them well because their situation has changed, but they don't yet see that bridge. So my job and the way that I work with clients is we we start at a big picture vision first. Like, what is it they want? Like, I will never forget. This was my favorite thing ever. I said to a client, what do you really want? And she said, I just want to sit in my office and talk to clients all day. She's like, that's what I want to do. And I said, great, that's our goal. That's what we're working towards. And I know you get that. She Mm -hmm. just wanted to create their plans. And that's where we're working on. And so it's more of that, you know, where do you want to be? What do you want it to look like? Um, If you could wave the magic wand, because if we know where we're trying to go, we can start to put the pieces in place. Mm -hmm. I had another client who actually has a very successful business And he's like, yeah, I really don't like the financial planning aspect of it, which I will kind of surprise me. I was like, that's what you do for sitting here being judgy McJudger, like (laughs) back away. Uh, He goes, I love business development. Mm -hmm. Which a lot of people don't love. So yeah. Yeah. He's like, I love that. So that's what we started. So we look at it his situation much differently than we look at hers. But in all cases, We're trying to figure out, or I'm trying to figure out where do they want to be? Like, what is their vision of their ideal business? And what's their zone of genius? Like, what What if they don't know? Right. And times we've, many times that's it. They're like, I just don't know. I just know it's not this. And I say, okay. And so then we'll look at it backwards. And so instead of like, what is it you want? We look at what do you don't want? Okay. Some um, like I remember when I was trying to figure out what I was going to be when I grew up in high school. And... uh, (laughs) like many sessions that they allowed me to go through with the care counselor. And at the end, I was like, well, good news. I know like 50 things I don't want. I still <laughs> And we can do the same process with clients. So once we get an idea around what they're really good at, what they love, where they want to be, or the flip of that, where they don't want to be. And then we start to look through the pieces of, okay, how do we start to regain the time? So for some people, it's being able to set boundaries. For others, it's knowing the right time of day to work on specific tasks. I know you and I spoke about how you will time block by day Mm -hmm. and you theme your days. That Mm -hmm. works well for some people, but, you know, flies out the window for others. It just, it depends on finding their strengths. For me, um, I believe one size doesn't fit all. And um, I've read the time management books. My clients don't have to. It's my job to figure out where are their strengths and how can we use their strengths to create the right amount of structure for them to make it easy for them to do what they want to do, which I know seems really vague in general. Um, no. So like, but building your day around your strengths, right? Yeah. And building yeah. So, like- um, you know, so here's an example for one of my clients, the one who wants to sit in her office and talk all day, her time that she can really think and focus well is in the morning. Yet when she came into our office, typically in the morning, she would, as she calls it, 
flit about. <laughs> and so she would water the plants, empty the trash, open her email, um, you know, stop across the hall and chat to the office across, the, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've all seen it. She now has flipped her day. And whenever she has that urge to do any of those things, she has a list, like like 30 things on her list. She says, I can do that after 1.30. Hmm. Because after 1.30, her high quality thinking time isn't there. Mm-hmm. And that's when she does all those other things. So it's finding those pieces for, and it looks different for everyone. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an early morning. I get more done between 5 and 8 a.m. than most people do throughout the course of the day. Mm-hmm. I'm the same. So yeah, yeah. And then I can, you know, and my husband, you know, we've been married 26 years almost. And he knows, like, I am mentally strong during those periods of time. But socially, eh. (laughs) We are right there the same. (laughs) Please don't make me talk to people that early. Yeah. Give me my cup of coffee and let me do, like, research or read or, you know, if I've got a big task, let me do it then. Um, my, you know, the best financial plans I put together, I think are at that time of the morning. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I become more social throughout the day, but by seven o'clock, I don't need to talk to anybody. <laughs> I agree. I, I, I always think of it as I can put together a great presentation that time, but please don't make me give it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so far, it's finding out what you want to do, what you don't want to do, building your day around your strengths, and then what? And then you're living a beautiful life. Now, um, at that point, it's um, it's continuing to do that over and over again. Most of the work that implementation, I do, yeah, it's you know the work that I do is habit building. Um, like we lay out a plan, but there are few people who can take a plan and easily apply it without it being a struggle when things don't go exactly as laid out. So it's a lot of habit building. I always joke that uh, my clients work hardest between our sessions than they mm-hmm. do when we're together because that's the time mm-hmm. that we're trying to implement the things that we've talked about and remember when it didn't work exactly as planned so that we can come back mm-hmm. and troubleshoot. Mm-hmm. So I kind of think of that as like implementation of a habit. When we talk about from a financial planning perspective, you know, when we're, when we're thinking about the steps of a financial planning process, the final step before we start all over again is implementation. And a big deal of implementation is creating, you know, those habits as you're talking about, right? So if we're, if we've gone through an entire financial planning process and a couple of the things might be around savings for particular goals that people have, like retirement education, maybe it's a new house or whatever. We automate a lot of those things because automation doesn't require effort once it's automated. Yes. So they don't have to, they don't have to remember to do it. They don't have to make it a habit. They've made it a habit by automating, right? So that implementation to to the best of its ability, we try to, we try to make sure that it's automated. Because that prevents old habits from creeping in, um, right? It, but then, come, but but then we start all over again because life changes. I mean, you know. So we did a great plan, and one year later, we're looking at it, and, and oh, you had another child, or you got relocated in a different job, or you found out you don't like your job, or you. Um, 
you want to move to a different neighborhood or, you know, your company just cut your salary by 10% or 15%. Like all of that happens in the best of plans that we've put together. And we have to start all over with step one, which is, okay, well, how do we pivot? Right. Exactly. And that's the same, right? I mean, that's the same as what you're talking about. It's how do you put the structure in to make it easy? So if we talk about my client who loves to talk to her clients all day, left to her own devices, and she will admit this. So I'm not talking out of school, left to her own devices. She will have three hour meetings with her clients. She'll bring in tea and they'll just sit there and talk. And, and I'm like, okay, walk me through. (laughs) Like, again, I'm trying, I'm like, I'm not judging. I'm not judging, but what in the world? And what we found is she just likes to talk to people and Mm -hmm. we're able to look at, okay, well, giving this person three hours doesn't, how does that translate to the people that you aren't able to see? Mm -hmm. How does that translate Mm -hmm. to your kids at home that you're not getting home to? And so if I ask her to cut a meeting at an hour, she has a really hard time doing that. But if we set it up so that her assistant reminds the client on their way in, now just, we're really excited. We should be finished around two o'clock today. And don't forget, you know, uh, Mary uh, happens to have another client coming in at 2.15. And then at, two, at 10 till two, she knocks, the assistant knocks on the door. Just want to, is there anything you need from me? to help you to make sure that, you know, we're respectful of each other's time, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm. take a whole afternoon, but we've put it so that her assistant can do that. And that it's set up. Oh my God. It's communicated so clearly now in mm-hmm. all the intro emails. It used to just be your appointment is at two. Now the emails are your appointment is at two. It should run 40 to 60 minutes. Blah, blah. Like it's so clear mm. setting out that expectation, wow. but it makes it easy for her to stick to what she knows is the best mm-hmm. thing for her to do for the client. Mm-hmm. How many clients have three hours for tea? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I bring coffee and tea to my clients, but I still am not. I'm usually an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half, you know, depending on when the last time I met with them and what's going on in their lives. And right now we are finding that we're, 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 we're truly using that time because we're spending the time talking to them about how emotionally they're doing, not just how financially they're doing. Right. Not that I'm giving you know therapy or anything, but just, I want to know how they're doing, how they're coping with this. Because I know personally, I've had moments of, I have got to go somewhere, like get me out and just take me for a ride because I am not used to being home this much. <laughs> So I love my home. I love both my homes, my one in Florida and my one in New York. But, um, you know, I I just am not used to being in them this much. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, okay. So that's very, so process basically is what, you know, finding out what you really want. Um, what, and I think you said, what's your zone of genius, which I love. I just, I love that phrase. I think I'm going to name the show that. What's your zone of genius? Um, What you don't want. And then building your day around those strengths and implementation of that habit. Putting structure in your day to create that success. Um, That's a process that you've put together. As As you have developed that, was there... Um, influences or books that you read or challenges that you faced in putting that process together or the business together or even in your own financial or personal life around that? 
yes to all of that. <laughs> so I am, one of the things I, I enjoy doing is those ideal client profiles. And I know that I am my own ideal client. And so it makes it easy for me to create that avatar <laughs> because it's me. Um, left to my own devices, I will work from the moment I wake up until I fall asleep every day, all day, regardless of the weekend, regardless of anything else. I know that that is not healthy or mm-hmm. on so many levels, <laughs> so healthy <laughs> on every level imaginable. And I have had to put in structure and boundaries for myself. And because I continue to go on that journey, mm-hmm. I can understand my clients when they leave my session thinking everything is going to be perfect. And then the habit doesn't stick as long as they would like. And then we can revisit and refocus. One of, to um, reference one of the things, one of the books that has really helped me with that is Mike Michalowicz has a book out called Clockwork. And that helped me really put some structure around the idea of, for myself and for my clients, the idea of what is it that is the best thing you can be doing that you love to do for your business. And then some really concrete stuff, mm. some things off your plate. Mm. So would you recommend that, you know, before just to sort of get um, people's mind around it, before somebody reached out to you to start working with you, would you recommend that they read that they read that book or is it I more? I definitely think it's helpful. Um, I don't know that it's a prereq whether or not to reach out. Um, but I, it's one of the books that typically when I work with clients, that is, and I'll spoil this for people who listen to this and then reach out to me. That's typically <laughs> one of the gifts that I will send them early on in our relationship. Oh. In book, a lot of my um, group programs, that is part of that book or the book is part of that group program. Um, it isn't applicable for everyone, but it definitely mm-hmm. is if you are sitting in your business and you find yourself in the weeds a lot, I think it's a great book to help you pull out of the week. What do you mean? And I know, you know, because I want to understand the definition. What do you mean by in the weeds? In the details, let me have a good idea, a good way to phrase this. It's that the difference between working in and on your business and when you're in and on. Yep. Okay. Yeah. When you're in it, in areas that aren't your zone of genius, I consider that being in the weeds. Okay. So some people will continue to work. Like I'm still working in my business. I'm delivering services. Um, and so this not that you can't ever work in your business. It's for me, I'm in the weeds when I'm going down the rabbit hole of figuring out why someone scheduled an acuity and it didn't pop into my calendar. Like, <laughs> so, oh my gosh, another tech thing. Who'd have thought it? Um, but I'm also in the weeds. I consider in the weeds of my business when I'm billing clients or when I'm making website edits. To me, that's in the weeds for me in my business because that is not my zone of genius. Mm-hmm. So in the business versus on certain aspects of working in the business versus on the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a mind shift. Um, for me, anyways, it was. Uh, I guess it was probably about a year and a half ago, maybe a year ago, but before that, but especially a year ago, where I really um, took a step back and said, what do I, what, a, what am I good at that I want to do? Mm-hmm. Right? So... Um, I, I really enjoy working with clients too. I do, but I also enjoy developing new financial planners. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I never had that. I didn't have, I'm not saying that I didn't have people that guided me or didn't have people that mentored me. I, I did, but I never had, especially early on in my career, I never had somebody sit down with me and ask me a lot of questions. I'm an, I'm an intensely inquisitive person. I, I, 
I love to ask questions. Um, and I love, I love it when other people ask questions and I love when I can share my knowledge. And when you see that light bulb go off in somebody's head and they share your passion for helping people, right? So, so if I can grow a business that has multiple planners that can share their knowledge, how many people can we help? Right. Okay. So if that's the case, I'm going to have to work on the business too, not just in the business. Right. And I do, other than the fact that the one thing that I said to you that I'm not great at, and I've realized that I'm not great at it. And so I've asked other people on the team to sort of take on that role is some of that very early entry into the firm kind of um, information and data and process. Like, like I said, the click here, the do this, Mm -hmm. the do that, you know, I don't have the patience for that. I I've realized it. And we have um, Becky Eason, who is on our team is the most incredibly patient individual I have ever met in my life. I'm not joking. Um, She's fabulous at that. And so we've, you know, I've asked her, can you help me with some of this stuff? Because she just has the patience of an old soul. I swear. I mean, she's young, but she's just really good at that kind of thing. So I think recognizing sometimes that if that's not your strength, who on your team can help you with that. Right. Right. And that's also working on the business (laughs) instead of in the business. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're building structure. Yeah. Better, better. And, and just strengths in general. And I always, I always do ask like, are you okay with this? Is this something that you're enjoying doing right now? Because I just don't want to pigeonhole anybody else. Like I've been pigeonholed. And and, you know, that's one of the thing about, I think having gone through that so many times, I'm extremely conscientious about it. So I'm asking all the time, are you okay with this? Like, is this something you're still enjoying? Do you find it boring? Do you, you know, is it something that you'll eventually want to delegate? Because if that's the case, that's what we need to be thinking long-term. Um, so, so I'm, I'm thankful for that lesson that I learned, but I'm, I'm very conscientious of it too. And ca- that can sometimes get me in trouble because I'm also that maternalistic. I have a piece of maternalistic, excuse me, maternalistic side to me that says, well, I don't want my employees to be unhappy either. So if they're if they're not enjoying this part of their job, well, let's take that away. And guess who takes it? (laughs) 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 So they're happier, but I'm not, you know, and then and that's a vicious cycle. That's a vicious cycle that we have to be careful of. Um, I'm curious, though, you know, what what are some of the things that do provide or have provided you some nutrients to grow your business and to help you succeed and to help, you know, continue down this path with what you're trying to achieve? Part of it is hooking into um, the right people. Like that definitely helps. Um, So either my support staff or I belong to... NAVA, which is the National Association of Women Business Owners in Cleveland, and having other business owners who are who've been where I've been or who are where I would like to be, um, I'm mm-hmm. digging in and finding some really good mentors, um, mm-hmm. people who have skill sets that I admire, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to develop it myself. I think those are pieces that have definitely um, helped, you know, nurture me, um, which mm-hmm. helps me then grow and nurture the business. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's important. We we often we talk about nutrients in a in a vineyard in one way, but our lives need nutrients very much so. I mean, we we have got to we've got one of the things about a vineyard is that they you know they do go to rest after the harvest. The vineyard rests a little. As people, we forget to do that sometimes. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, so I block in. I, I have yoga. And I pay in advance so that I will honor the commitment <laughs> of attending. And especially in the summer, there's a place we can kayak. Um, it's only like 10 minutes away. And I will block out some mornings or some afternoon mm. once or twice a week, just so that we can go out. My husband and I will go kayaking. And come mm-hmm. back. It doesn't have to be outrageously long. Basically, it just has to get me out of my office. Mm-hmm. And then I can help. There's, a, there's also something about being near water. Mm-hmm. Are you a Pisces by any chance? Uh, no, I'm a cancer. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I am a strong believer. I am a Pisces and I, if I can't be near water, I get cranky. <laughs> <laughs> My mother is the same way. She actually grew up on the East coast and then to move to Ohio has been very difficult for her. Yeah. She needs to find some of the lakes that exist there, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's this big river that's kind of there. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like head up to Lake Erie, Ma. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I know time is getting short here with us, but I, I have a couple of, um, I, I guess one of my fun, well, let me ask you first, what, what would you can, how would you define success? Okay. So success for me is being able to have the time, energy, and income to do the things I love with the people that I love. Time, energy, that's a big, and income to do the things you love with the people that you love. Mm-hmm. And I guess the the final section that we'll head into with the podcast that I always I always like to take just a few minutes. We call it our nourish your vine section of the podcast. I always like to take a few minutes for our guests to provide maybe a number one financial lesson that they've learned in their lives that they wish other people had either told them or they want them to know without being you know, we're not trying to be judgy, just something you learned that you wish somebody had told you. I, another book by Mike Michalowicz, I, I may be his biggest fan today, um, <laughs> called Profit First. And the idea behind his book is is that you take your profit um, be first, <laughs> fancy mm-hmm. that he has there. <laughs> but there's a part in the book where he talks about, um, from a business perspective, having separate accounts so that you have, you're taking money every Mm -hmm. month Mm -hmm. in for taxes. You're taking every Mm -hmm. month in for profit. You're taking every month to put into different places. And that has been so beneficial in the time that we're in right now. Yeah. Knowing that I had the money set aside already for taxes, knowing that I had um, like an emergency fund. And that, because if it's just sitting in the checking, like there's something about seeing money in the checking account that makes you think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But if you can move no. it over to an account that is clearly labeled <laughs> emergency only, <laughs> that helps keep it there. It absolutely does. In fact, that's there's a whole psychology behind money. And um, one of the things that we often tell people is to to have a conversation with your money and label it. Because um, it is really critical that you know that that money over there is already spoken for. Right. It's it's already there and it's already spoken for. And I can't spend that money. But if I, you know, if you see that money sitting in, we we spend what we think we have. Mm-hmm. And if we don't know that we have it, you know, because it's in a separate account, we 
we recommend like an ally account or a, um, or a, um, a Chase has a pretty decent account or like if you have a local credit union that you use, they're great because you can have multiple accounts within, you know, your member account that that's labeled like you were just saying, but out of sight, out of mind works really well because you know, that money has already spoken for something else. And we strongly recommend that people have a an account that is either labeled emergency fund or that, you know, is for emergency funds. Because again, if you commingle it with things, it tends to get spent on fun things, right. <laughs> which I also encourage people to have a fun account. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll put that, I'll put the link to that book in the show notes. It looks like I just quickly glanced at it and it looks like, um, looks like you can get the Kindle version. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fairly inexpensively, yeah. And if you're an audiobook subscriber, it looks like it's it's free. Um, so I'll throw I'll throw that in there. Thank you for sharing. And for people that don't like the idea um, of separate bank accounts, we have actually suggested to them that they go to the envelope system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started because it's, with that like ten yeah. years ago. Yeah. It's really the same thing, except it's, you know, money goes into an envelope every week or every two weeks or whatever to account for. Um, you know, what those expenses are. And a lot of that is awareness too, don't you think? Because you have to sit down and you have to know how much you're going to pay in taxes. You have to know how much you're going to pay in insurances. So you've had to sit down and think, okay, that divided by 12 equals blah, blah, blah. So I have to put this much away each month in that account. So you've had to think about it. And I think that's a lot of where people tend to um, be surprised Sometimes by like, oh, that insurance bill is due this month. It's $1,600. Oh my gosh, where am I going to come up with that? I completely forgot about it. Right. It's that awareness factor. Yeah. Right. And well, I, Lisa, it, yeah, I think it's I'm sorry. with your time. Like you yeah. think you have all this time. And then when you look at and you do the same, we do the similar thing with the envelope system for time. And we look at there's 168 hours in the week. How are you choosing mm-hmm. to spend it? And then that's, like, oh. a, that's excellent. That's an excellent comparison. Right? Like, <laughs> oh, wait, there, wait a minute. There's a bill for $1,600. Like, <laughs> I, I, I want 40 more hours each week than what I have available. How does that work? This particular week that hits home because <laughs> I, I was, um, I was, I was on a walk with my husband this morning. We, we work out together almost every morning, say 99% of the time. This particular week, uh, we had a fairly big event that happened here at the practice, which I'm so excited about. Uh, another financial planner, Brittany Castro is her name. And I have been working on uh, um, a rela- forming a relationship with each other for months. And it happened like officially on July 1st. And the two days, you know, Monday and Tuesday leading up to that, and then Wednesday, the day that it happened, and then yesterday, sort of the follow-up of all of that, I had put in uh, over 60 hours at that point in time already in four days. And so I said to my husband, by the end of today, by when I plan to shut down the end of today, I will have worked probably a good 70 hours. And I said, that's not going to continue. Right. That is not how that works. There is no way that I'm interested in working that many hours. And I'm exhausted. I feel it. You know, I, I do. So today I'm shutting down a, a tad bit early and we're going to grab a bottle of wine and go sit out on the water and enjoy 
time with each other because it's been very long, very early mornings and very long days. And it'll probably be a very early <laughs> bed night for me tonight. <laughs> if I can stay awake until it gets dark, I think it will probably be a miracle. <laughs> so I think your, your point this particular week really hits home with me in general. And Lisa, I just want to say thank you so much time. Um, Lisa and I are actually talking about other um, future things that we want to do together for not just, um, you know, f- f- with some, ideas around time management and, and I said, would say stay tuned because we don't have the details mapped out, but it definitely, when she and I spoke before, it was definitely a big topic of the discussion of the number of people that reach out to me personally and say, how do you do this all? Like, what's your secret sauce? Um, and, you know, so I think uh, you'll hear more from Lisa in the future, but I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Oh my goodness. Totally my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And for the recommendations, because I've never, I've never heard of the two books that you mentioned. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to put those on my book list, uh, for when I was supposed to be on vacation coming up, uh, traveling, but instead it's going to be a staycation, but Brent is hiding the computer that week. So (laughs) structure in so that you do what you say you want to do. Yeah. No, relax. I just need to get a fresh, my, my brain needs to be, um, dimmed down a little bit. And for those that have listened to this podcast before, they know that my husband, Lisa, always says to me, I don't have an off switch. I just have a dimmer. Dimmer. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to, we're going to turn that dimmer down. We're going to, we're going to kind of bring it down a level, uh, not next week, but the following week. So uh, I hope people actually, it'll be the week after this podcast is released, which will be next Friday. So uh, to, we're recording on July 3rd. So it'll actually be released on the 10th of July. And I will be heading into a week long of hibernation <laughs> is what I'm going to call it, but not actual physical hibernation. Cause I'm going to be outside enjoying the beautiful weather that we're having. So again, thank you for your time and um, stay tuned. I guess I'll say for, for the listeners. Thank you. And that will about do it for today's episode of wine and dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.